This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're joined by Tanya Van Slyke, Executive Director of the Northeast Dairy Producers Association. Welcome back to the show, Tanya. Thank you for having me today, Dave. It's our pleasure. So as the result of federal guidelines issued under the Obama administration, public schools are only allowed to serve uh, fat-free or low-fat milk options, uh, but you're backing legislation at the state capitol designed to get whole milk and 2% milk back on the menu for students. Why is this something you want to see happen? That's correct, Dave. We are supporting um, Senator Borrello and Assemblyman Tag bill to get 2% whole milk back in schools. We believe that um, 2% milk and and whole milk is a healthy, nutritious option for children. And we believe it was a mistake that the federal government made under the Obama administration to remove that healthy fat option for for students. And we'd like to see the federal government revise those standards. And we'd like to see New York offer that opportunity back in our schools. We just believe children need that nutritious milk in their diets. And we also know there are several studies that are out, Dave, that show that um, many uh, coaches and uh, are promoting milk for uh, hydration, beverage of choice after sporting events. So we'd like to see the, the, high, the more nutritious, higher fat option back in schools for, um, for students of all ages. From a practical governing sense, because we're talking about federal regulations and state legislation, would this bill, if it was to become law, completely resolve the issue, or would you still need action by federal regulators or, or Congress to ensure that you could offer up whole milk and 2% milk in schools again? Yeah, so we would like to see federal action happen to allow whole milk and 2% milk back in schools again. I know um, Congresswoman Stefanik and others at the federal level have been working on this as well as offering the um, option for chocolate milk back in schools, so the flavored milk. And so we think um, this has to be both a federal and a state initiative. So um, in terms of of school budgets, part of the challenge here, Dave, is that because of the federal guideline, it challenges budget reimbursement for our local schools. So I know that that's something through various programs that we have at New York that our leadership in New York is working on. So we really need this to be changed both at the federal and state levels. So if we assume that fat uh, or milk that has more fat in it is not a health concern, is it fair to say that large amounts of sugar might be problematic and therefore state policymakers could have a vested interest in keeping flavored milk, like chocolate milk, out of schools? I think certainly sugar is always, you know, the nutritional value that folks have to look at. But I think our dairy processors have done a great job at reducing the amounts of sugars that are in flavored milks. So certainly that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. But we feel that uh, the dairy processing community has done a really great job at producing nutritious products. Some of the nutrition labels I've seen, though, indicate that a low-fat chocolate milk option versus a low-fat plain milk option can have 50% more sugar in it than the the plain option. Is that a, a healthy balance, though? I'm not a nutritionist, Dave, but I do believe that, you know, the overall uh, human diet has to have has to have sugar in it. And I think that it, the choices that are made by individuals um, need to have a balance, to make sure that they have sugar as well as, you know, other nutritional values of, the, of their total diet. Well, moving outside of school cafeterias, uh, this spring, Coca-Cola announced they're planning to build a dairy processing plant outside of Rochester in western New York. 
What could this proposed 745,000 square foot factory, which is scheduled to be built by 2025, mean for dairy farmers in New York? Dave, we're very excited about the announcement of Fairlife Coca-Cola coming to Western New York. Fairlife has uh, very high standards, and we believe that they've chosen New York because we have shared value between New York dairy producers as well as Fairlife. So, uh, you know, a strong commitment to caring for our land and the environment, caring for our people and caring for our cows and producing high-quality products. So we couldn't be more excited that Fairlife has chosen New York as, as its next home and we'll, we'll be sharing their values with our New York family dairy farms. So having more processing capacity is an excellent opportunity for the New York dairy industry. Well, is there a big difference from having this processing facility located in New York than, say, across the border in Vermont or or Pennsylvania? Is there something that is specifically beneficial about having it located uh, within the state's borders? So having the uh, Fairlife located within New York is great because they will be sourcing, um, we believe, uh, much of their milk from New York dairy producers. So that's the benefit to New York dairy producers to have another processing plant that's in close proximity. As we look at transportation costs, you know, with with fuel prices being high, we are able to reduce our transportation costs, which are uh, put onto our farmers for moving their milk from their farms to the processing plant. So having it in New York both assures that we will be utilizing more New York milk, which benefits communities and dairy farmers alike. In terms of economic development, it will help promote, you know, New York first, and it will also uh, reduce our transportation costs for our dairy farmers. Well, finally, turning to the environment, there's been a push from some environmentalist groups, uh, while being opposed by others, for the adoption of a low-carbon fuel standard, essentially something to help bridge the gap between the state's current use of fossil fuels and the vision of a zero-emissions New York. What does a low-carbon fuel standard mean for the agriculture world as we think about this transition? So, Dave, when we think about the low-carbon fuel standard, we think it's an excellent bridge that New York should be adopting. We really encourage um, members of the Assembly and the Senate to really continue to take a look at the low-carbon fuel standard because when you look at the CLCPA and you look at that pie graph that we've all seen several times in the state identifying where some of our opportunities and some of our challenges are, Agriculture only only represents about 6% of that pie graph in terms of greenhouse emissions. So we see ourselves um, having the ability to help reduce some of the other, other sectors who have larger contribution in that pie graph, such as transportation. So we could utilize, you know, biofuels um, and renewable natural gas from our farms to help power transportation. If you look at California, that's what they've done. Um, and that's what the, the low carbon fuel standard that's been proposed in New York really models is, is a bridge. And so, you know, the country is working toward electrification, but it's so hard to, um, as Senator Parker says, go from zero to 100 overnight. And so there needs to be a, a bridge. So if you look at California, for example, they're using methane and renewable natural gas from farms to help power transportation transportation. And so we feel that that bridge is something New York really should be taking a look at to make sure that we're connecting upstate, downstate, powering transportation and giving everybody the opportunity to work toward that ultimate goal. So we we really think it's a mistake 
that New York is not taking a stronger stance on, on adopting a low-carbon fuel standard. Well, what would be the ramification from your perspective uh, if lawmakers don't act on this before the end of the legislative session or, or in the near future? As government is developing the CLCPA rules and regulations moving forward, it'd be great if the low-carbon fuel standard was adopted um, by the end of the session so that as they work on, on our aggressive 2030 and beyond goals, that that low-carbon fuel standard becomes part of the overall plan in terms of helping the state to achieve, achieve its very aggressive climate goals. Well, we've been speaking with Tanya Van Slyke. She's the executive director of the Northeast Dairy Producers Association. Tanya, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave, for having us, and thank you for helping us share our message. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.